Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Third Degree Burn. My name is Brian Hughes and I'm here with my good friends Tim Elliott. Say hi, Tim. Say hi. And John Hyatt. Give it to him. Hello, everybody. <laughs> I think we'll be, jo- be getting joined by uh, David Thompson here so- at some time in the near future, but for the moment, he is not available. More likely, his kids are pulling his toenails out. <laughs> but uh, hopefully, <laughs> he'll be able to join us. Uh, Kurt Greenfield will not be joining us today because he has got a prior commitment. He's playing with his rockets. Yes. And uh, so, Tim, what are we doing today? Well, we kind of wanted to get, not back to the basics, but do something a little more like when we first started the show. So I think we're only going to cover one book, and we are doing uh, Marvel Marvel Team-Up number 65, which has got a, fir- a lot of firsts. Um, it's good stories, gets good, good art, uh, and it's just a good throwback story. It is. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I yeah, it really is. Yeah. <laughs> we suddenly just got quiet. Okay. It, it, well, it's during that era at Marvel where it was really just becoming that great Marvel age of comics. And I think it was when they were really pulling in the readers to not just, you know, the core books, but they were starting to spread out to all of them. The Marvel team up was like this redheaded stepchild amongst. The, uh, the 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 books, especially as far as Spider Man goes, because they, you know the it 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 did seem to exist in the same universe almost because you you had the the other two the other two series. I'm trying to remember when Spectacular Spider Man started, what year it started. Seventy six, I think. Yeah, so so you had both Amazing Spider Man and Spectacular Spider Man going on, and, and then stories. Spidey Super Stories, yeah, and and then you have Marvel Team Up, and whereas in Amazing and Spectacular, Spidey was more of the street level hero, and you got to see a lot of Peter Parker's personal life and such. Marvel Team Up would, you know, one issue would send him out into space, another one would send him extra dimensional, you know, just crazy stuff would happen, and he would get involved with characters that you just never knew who it was going to be or what was going to happen. Now, as I understand it, when the series first started, they thought or there was at least some intention by some of the editorial uh, people that it was just going to be a Spidey Human Torch series. And then quickly they changed the format. See, I thought That's, it was I thought it was because it was a few of the early issues that Spider-Man's not in. And I thought it was going to be more yeah. of an anthology. It was just going to be a team up between two characters. And that it quickly, I think, because he's a flagship character, it evolved into... Spidey and guest star. So. Yeah, and, and the thing is, we'll never know exactly why, which makes me think it was probably back office politics that changed the format early on because they made the format changes even before they got the sales information. Because it usually takes about nine months for them to find out the actual sales of any of the books to sit there and make you know decisions based upon sales. But by the fifth issue, they'd already changed the format. And so it was probably more back office politics. Or you, get- just thought, you know, I don't know if this will really work with the unrelated. Let's let's anchor it like like Brave and the Bold. I mean, that started off as not a Batman team up book. And then eventually it just settled down to Batman and. And uh, so maybe it was something like that. It's like, well, we need to 
anchor this with somebody that people care about or they like. And Spider-Man was very popular. Right. And I think you get the best of both worlds. You get an established character in Spider-Man and you get to introduce readers that would probably, you know, that characters that can't hold their own series. You could bring them in like Captain Britain or something a uh, similar character, they can be introduced to new readers. It could be maybe a springboard to a new series or just introduce them to readers who would not have a chance to, to either, uh, you know, haven't read an earlier issue an earlier appearance or something. So you kind of get, it was, um, kind of like I do with backdoor pilots. It's a lot, you could allow, uh, <clears throat> to bring in characters that they normally couldn't play with. And then it could mm-hmm. do some kind of cool stories with them. Um, unlike I think, and I don't know for sure, but I think Marvel two and one was always meant to be a thing and guest star book. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know that. For I don't myself, know, but I would assume so. Yeah. Yeah. It, to your point, Mark, Brian, I think it gets, I know spectacular Spider-Man is not held with much regard for Spidey fans. It's kind of seen as being irrelevant. You don't really need to read. No, there's no, main story points or everything was going on and amazing. Um, I happen to like spectacular quite a bit. Um, yeah. Well, he gave, he gave Roger Stern some of his earliest Spidey work. And, and it lasted uh, quite a while. I mean, it was, yeah, yeah. it was, it's uh, just that, that the, the, it seemed like the premier writers and artists were getting amazing because that was the flagship yeah, of it all. That's, now the, the, the difficulty with all of this though is, how editorial worked with the three books and we'll exclude Spidey super stories because that was always, always separate, completely different. And for those who don't know, the Spidey super stories were a, uh, a, a young ages book, uh, that worked in conjunction, I think with the electric company. Yeah. It was which if, if you, and if you don't know electric company, it was, a, a, a almost a competitor to Sesame street. Uh, back in the 70s as far as educational programming on public television. Um, and it, if, if you watch it, you'll actually see a very young Morgan Freeman as Easy Reader. <laughs> yeah, I loved Easy Reader. In fact, most of the Spidey Super Stories had a picture of Easy Reader on it saying Easy Reader says this is good or, or something mm-hmm. along those lines on the front cover. And uh, <clears throat> probably some people don't know, but the the signature – Shout out in Electric Company. Hey, you guys! Was Rita Moreno. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's cool. now, I grew um, up on it. I loved it. I mean, we, we've got a lot to discuss on this. I think there's a lot of good information on there. But before we get into it, I think we should bring up a couple things. Just, you know, what's going on right now. Uh, of course, last episode we we did cover uh, a couple issues of John Burns X Men Elsewhere, and uh, those uh, of course were were beautiful issues. Right now, as it is t- today's date is April tenth uh, that we're recording, and John Burns X Men Elsewhere is kind of on a little hiatus. Um, after the March issue finished, uh, he said basically there was going to be a break. And um, it, it, the, the break has actually gone on for several weeks through most of March and it's going through April. Now, the original intention was that he was going to pick up somewhere after April 7th, uh, but he's had to delay it even further. Now, the initial reason to delay it was that he was trying to catch up on his work, uh, you know, creating the issues themselves 
because he likes to have a certain pad before he releases. The thing is, is that recently he had noted in his when he's trying to draw that he's having a harder time seeing things, and there are a lot more, um, I guess you would say, floaties uh, in the eyes, and he is suffering from cataracts. So he is going to be getting cataract surgery at some unnamed date. Uh, he he's been he's kind of played it fast and loose to saying when it's going to happen. But, you know, as a result of that and the recovery time on that, you know, he's got to take a step back from actually uh, doing the drawing. And so, the, you know, it's going to delay the uh, the return of X-Men Elsewhen uh, even further. Now, as I understand it, recovery from cataract surgery is usually pretty quick, uh, a few days at best. So hopefully we'll see it sooner rather than later. But uh, we wish him, you know, all the luck in the world. Because Absolutely. obviously an artist and their eyes – uh, is a, uh, a a pair you just don't you can't separate in any way, form, or fashion. So uh, best of luck to Jumper. I've got one or two floaties in my left eye, but nothing that interferes with me seeing or doing anything. But it's just as my like Thomas has explained, it's dust that gets in your eye, mm-hmm. and it's the, what you're seeing is the shadow of the dust on your retina. Yeah. So. And yeah, I mean, I've gotten an occasional floaty, but I, they're not a regular happenstance in my, in my vision. No. So yeah, when I, when I find that there's somebody that constantly has them, I'm always, you know, why don't they go away? <laughs> but then you hear about people that, you know, the, the doctors peel back their eyelids and find 17 contact lenses tucked up in one <laughs> corner or the other. And you just, you never know what's going to wind up in somebody's eye. Yeah, you don't. That's one thing you don't want to mess with your eyes. But yeah, I I hope them the the best of luck. And to your point, it's it's cardiac surgery is my. I think my mom is gonna have to go into that, have that done soon. It's not major surgery, but it's something that anytime you're messing with someone's eyes, you want everything to come out okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're gonna uh, change um, tracks a little bit and go on to another thing going on currently. Uh, in pop culture, and that is the TV series Moon Knight, which premiered for Marvel two weeks ago, uh, Wednesday, and uh, it's gotten good good reviews. Uh, it, what I've seen from people uh, on on Facebook and other social medias is that's generally liked, even though it is um, more uh, leaning towards the latest incarnations in the comics rather than the original. Uh, you know, Doug Mensch, uh, Bill Sienkiewicz uh, storylines that we saw back in the 80s. Uh, still, uh, it I found it uh, gripping, interesting, and I've really enjoyed it. I've seen both episodes. I think you guys have only seen one each. Is that right? I, I saw both. I watched the second one last night. Okay. And, yeah, well, and John, seen the first episode. Well, John, get, you want to give us your impression? So... I remember, I don't remember the werewolf by night introduction of Moon Knight, but I do remember when he got his solo series and I was somewhat interested, but not really my, my best buddy, he loved Moonlight. So he checked it out. So I'm really not that familiar with the character from the original comics, um, but I've just sort of tangentially heard about this and that uh, over the years. And I know that Marvel's been trying to make Moon Knight a thing, (laughs) Uh, probably to compete with Batman, but uh, so when I when I went into it, I'm kind of totally going into like impress me. 
I'm not bringing comics baggage really to uh, compare it to or criticize it with, or you know what what we as comics fans do to our our live versions or our animated versions. So uh, all that is to lead up to say that I actually kind of enjoyed it. I thought it was an interesting uh, start to the character. I know there's. I was just reading something this morning. Uh, the division already about whether or not he about the split personalities, you know, because Moon Knight didn't start off with split personalities per se. It was sort of retconned or explained later. He but just used those IDs. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it was the original yeah. concept, but it became the concept. So, but you know, I thought the actor um, was it Oscar Isaacs. Yes. Did a really good job with separating out the stuff. I thought it was a. I think I think it's a nice. I think it's interesting. I'm 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 surprised because, like I said, I didn't really care about Moon Knight, so I was surprised that I actually was like, you know what, I'm going to give us a couple more episodes and see what I think. So yeah, Tim. Well, I think it's only I think it's only six episodes. It's it's very short. Yeah, uh, probably. I'm kind of with John. I, I I mean, Moon Knight's one of those characters like I know of him. I kind of have a vague idea of his background. I got the I don't. That's I don't have the world by night because that's the one issue I need. I just can't afford it. I've got the his first miniseries, uh, which I haven't read. I just bought it, and he would just show up occasionally. He's one of those characters that would just show up in someone's book. So that's the only yeah. way you knew of him. So, like John, I didn't have any baggage coming into it. Uh, I didn't. I th- I think it's 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 okay to good. It's a little slow, and if it's only six episodes, it seems like they're kind of just scratching the surface. So either it's going to be wrapped up very quickly, or it's going to be kind of a cliffhanger. Because I don't see them, because it's kind of just getting into him as Moon Knight. Uh, and I agree, Oscar Isaac's pretty good in it. His accent's not bad, as Steven. Um, uh, I, I, I'm not sure I like the... Well, you've seen the first episode, John, so you've seen the costume. That kind of mummy-wrapped look, I like the more of a... I mean, I understand what they're going for, but I'm not sure yeah. I like that, as opposed to just a his you, you know white costume. Funny. So, yeah. the, the, the mummy-wrapped costume, whenever he, he's in that and they show just his face, it makes me think of his appearance as Apocalypse. And that has mm-hmm. something to do with the lighting on his face, his facial features, because... The apocalypse look, as well as the mummified look, doesn't look to me like Oscar Isaac. You know, I mean, Oscar's got a very particular face, and it's just the shape of his face that, of course, makes that. You know, but with the lighting on it, it it comes up looking different. I I just always find that that interesting. But Oscar Isaac also reminds me of a personal friend of mine. So it's it's uh, I guess that's part of what makes it hard for me to differentiate between or it makes it hard for me to reconcile the the three different faces of the same guy. Yeah. And I think they're doing a kind of a digital kind of a spawn thing with a cape. I don't yeah. know if his cape is yeah. digital or if now it's, it's actual just, practical. But as far as, you know, the Steven character goes, he's fully realized. And, and what I think of is that, is that, you know, they, when they started writing this, they said, it's kind of like um, that episode of Star Trek, the enemy within, where Captain Kirk was separated into two personalities. Mm-hmm. 
you know, the one was just kind of the what the, the 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 there was the evil Kirk, but it wasn't necessarily evil. It's just the the more base aggression uh, of, of, a, of a human, whereas the 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 one that was the quote unquote good Kirk was the one that was you know just um, all the the passive. It was like his uh, sensitive side and his aggressive yeah. side. Right, right, and what we're seeing here is the sensitive side. I mean, it, it, it's like the same kind of. There, there is no aggression. There's no uh, uh, a, attempt at at uh, utilizing your internal power from Steven. And Steven's just that guy that, that's going to try and run away every time. There is no fight or flight. It's just flight. Yeah. Well, they. I will say this: there, as, as the audience, you are as in the dark as much as he is when he, because mm-hmm. he's kind of all this is happening to him and he has no idea what's going on. Uh, I will say they lean into kind of his silliness just a little too much. I understand some of the kind of quippy, jokey, silly stuff is a little, yeah. just dial that back a little bit. I understand that he is, he's kind of a meek, meager, just a, uh, uh, he works at a museum as a, like a, a gift, salesman, a gift, sales, shop, gift, shop, gift shop guy. Yeah. Uh, and then he can and that that's what threw me off because I didn't realize that, and I don't know in the comic is that character supposed to be British or he's just I don't I don't know I, don't know. I, I never I never really read Moon Knight when it was out and, and it's, it's funny because I remember when it did come out and I took a look at it and I was like Sinkevich I I just only remembered him from his work on Fantastic Four, which of course was heavily inked by Joe Sinnott and very house style yeah. So I, you know, I sat there and I, I didn't, of course, realize that back then. I just said, oh, it's that guy from Fantastic Four. And I just kind of moved on. And I just remember friends of mine, you know, uh, Bob Warren, I think, was one of one of those guys who just like, why aren't you reading this? This is great stuff, you know. And I said, isn't he just like super white Batman? Yes. He's- and he goes. And he was like, no, no, he's more than that. I mean, you know, th- he goes, this book is why Marvel is so much better than DC. And, you know, back then I didn't ever have that competition in my own head of which company was better. I read Superman. I read Batman. I read a lot of other stuff. I even knew who Airwave was. But <laughs> but I didn't sit there and look at that and then look at Marvel and say, well, Marvel's better because it's got Spider-Man or it does this or it does that or you know, it's, they're not as mythic as, you know, DC is and, and they're more ground level and grounded. It, it didn't it, I didn't equate it all to that. I just read it because I enjoyed the various stories of the characters and I enjoyed the art. I mean, those were the the, the crucial needs of, of a book. And at the time when I saw Moon Knight, it just didn't, you know, get my uh, my inner workings over the years. I've you know learned you know numerous things. And I said, well, that's that's interesting. I'd like to see I'd like to see it rather than read it. And well, now I get to see it and I'm enjoying it. He couldn't have been that important because he wasn't in Secret Wars, so <laughs> no. speaking of which, oh my gosh. <laughs> Last night, um, we were what was I don't, I don't remember what we were doing, but we were talking about this and that. And someone something flashed across my feed and it showed that on eBay there is a set of Secret Wars 2. Not the original series, but the second one that uh, Jim Shooter and Al Milgram, Steve Lillo, and others put together. The whole set, near mint, fifteen grand. Seriously? Seriously. 
what is this world coming to? I mean, is there anything that, that was groundbreaking or that is carried over into today that Secret Wars 2 gave us? Are, are they slapped in 9.9? I mean, what is... What? I, I, I have to assume that that is the case. I, I'm going to have to go look that up now. But still, even slabbed and... Thank you. Even slabbed and, and, and everything near mint. I just don't see how That's... those 12 books could add up to more than $50 uh, on today's market, you find those in the dollar bins all the time. They, I mean, they were they were so overly saturated out there in the market. I mean, you got to understand, Secret Wars, the original, was. Um, I mean, a lot of people talk about the the writing not being that great. I loved that series when it came out, and I loved the way it tied to every facet of the Marvel universe. And of course, it gave us, you know, the She-Hulk joining the Fantastic Four. It gave us Spider-Man's new costume. It gave us the thing staying on Battle World and being able to to turn back into Ben Grimm. And my wife just came and gave me bacon, so I'm really happy right now. But uh, it, it gave us so much. And so when Secret Wars two came about, and we we were told through Marvel Age and other uh, things that it was even going to be further reaching. Than, than the original Secret Wars. And in so many ways it was because the Beyonder, the character that, that started the whole Secret Wars in the first place, started showing up in the Marvel Universe and he w- was put into every book. Now, that, of course, was a source of consternation for most writers and editors having to stop whatever storylines are doing or incorporate the Beyonder storyline into their storylines. But some writers and artists did really, really good with it. And I'm going to always point towards John Byrne for what he did. Claremont did a really good job incorporating it to the the X-Men and New Mutants. Um, I can't say the same for all, a lot of the other books, but I wasn't reading every single book out there. But still, that being said, why would these 12 books be worth $15,000? signed or – I mean – Here's the thing: if they are slab, because you slab something, even that's just a, a mediocre book, and it's rated at like a nine point eight or a nine point nine, it's gonna fetch a high price just because it's in pristine not, condition. It doesn't matter what's in always, it. Everyone, David's on. He might be able to give us some um, hey, yeah. input on why they were all valued so high. Uh, I I Hi, just hello. I just joined in. So, what books are we talking about that are worth twelve grand? Uh, fifteen grand, and it's Secret Wars two. Secret Wars two. Yeah. Uh, oh, you're talking about the whole set. Yeah, the whole um, set. I think what would be driving, I mean, that seems extreme to me, but I think what what's driving it there is somebody reaching for the moon um <laughs> but also finding uh, you know all 12 books in 9.8 would be very difficult uh i'd have to look at the listing to see if they're if they're a direct market or if they're newsstand that can affect the price too uh you know for example if you were to find a um, amazing spider-man number 300 that was a newsstand copy not a direct market copy that those are were significantly more in high grade uh but no i for a full set of secret wars it's uh well secret wars 2 secret wars the original um i see a listing there for twenty five thousand five hundred, and that's all 12 issues near mint they're not slabbed 
that there's the the Secret yeah. Wars two. Um, I'm this is to on see. eBay. Yeah, this is on eBay. Secret Wars. Did you type in like full set or something? I just typed in Secret Wars two, and then I sorted it by price highest to lowest. And so you'll you'll see first a Secret Wars listing, then Secret Wars two listing. And yeah. uh, let's see, like new, a book that looks new but has up new value. 1985, Copper Age, 9.2 near mint is what they say the grade is. But these are not slabbed. And it's all, it's issues one through nine. Now, I don't remember. Is, is That's the complete series. Okay, so it was only nine issues. I thought it was 12. No, 12 is the first series. Yeah. But that, I, I think, I think it's, it's just, I think somebody's just Yeah, they're just throwing a ridiculous price out there and seeing if anybody takes it. Because that is the buy it now. Yeah, that's ridiculous. <laughs> but you can make yeah. an offer. You, you give them an offer for 50 cents and maybe, you know, <laughs> yeah. shipping. Maybe if they were all signed by Stan Lee, you know, now that he's gone, yeah. that'd be worth something. But uh, or, no. To get him signed after he's gone. <laughs> <laughs> what? Look, who's, look who dropped in, Kurt, too. Wow. Hey, Kirk. Welcome. Hey, we didn't tired. think you were going to join us. Yeah, we weren't expecting so you either. Well, we were just talking current events and different things. We're talking, we uh, spoke briefly about John Byrne getting cataract surgery, which should be happening anytime now. Um, and we talked a little bit about Moon Knight. And then I had to bring up that Secret Wars 2 for $15,000 listing on eBay. Which, yeah, oh, I'm going to uh, take mine out and put them on eBay. So I, wa- I wonder why. Secret Wars uh, 2, number 3, first full appearance of the, of the Beyonder. Is there some kind of spec that the Beyonder is going to come into the Marvel Universe? No. Well, actually, uh, th- I think there is. Funny, isn't there? The, the Russo brothers had mentioned that if they wanted to do another Marvel series, an MCU series, they would want to do Secret Wars. Now, these guys are right in our age range, uh, for those of us that are older, not you, David. Uh, <laughs> But no, uh, yes, and, and I'm so, significantly younger. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> Not by that much. Yeah, I was around for Sugar Wars. It was crap when it came out. It's still crap. I oh, love. I'm it. sorry. Did I say that out loud? Yes, you did. But I loved it, and, and I love it unashamedly. I love it unabashedly. It, it's a, uh, it's a, a slice of my teen years that I, I will never forget. Not just. You know, because I enjoyed reading it, but it was one of those things. It was like one of the first series of books I actually got to sit down with friends and talk about. By the way, there's uh, a ton of there's a ton of sets of Secret Wars to buy it now, fifty bucks. Yeah, or, yeah, I saw that bucks. too. I just found that rather interesting that someone would throw that out there. But then again, you know, there are people that are so gullible mm-hmm. that they'll they'll buy anything. It's like that that pizza with gold on it. That pizza that people will pay hundreds of dollars for. You know, if they try to make a movie out of Secret Wars or The Beyonder, they've got a problem because Michael Jackson is gone. He's no longer with us, and therefore they would have a very difficult time casting The Beyonder. No, it would be Chris Evans. Okay. The Beyonder, the Beyonder created his human body as the, the, the embodiment of the perfect human specimen, and the one that he knew was Captain America. And then so got the he, perm. Yeah, and then he got the perm. Okay. And I'm sorry, but that perm, that perm got popularized on Brady Bunch long before Michael Jackson did it. Okay. 
<laughs> so, well, David Kirk, did you see the first episode of Moon Knight? And if so, no. what did you think of it? We'll just go back to that real quick. Sorry, yeah. did not, have not seen anything. I kept hearing people talking about it, but when I would ask people about it, they couldn't tell me if it was a new movie or if it was on Disney Plus. <laughs> it's on the Plus. Yeah, serious. That was it's on response. Disney Plus. Yeah, it's on Disney Plus. Um, well, I'll, I'll probably tune in and catch it this week. But now that I got my income tax done and the big crunch is, is passed, I'll have a little bit of down relaxation time. So, sorry, I don't, I don't know anything about it. Yeah, I've seen uh, the first two episodes. Um, it's interesting. You know, Moon Knight is such a, I think, a difficult character to get right. Uh, hence why he's had so many series that kind of fizzle out. Uh, for me personally, it was nice to see the white suit, the actual suit suit um, from, was it the, was it within the last 10 years, um, that was his main suit in, I want to say, the 2015 or 2016 run of Moon Knight, um, where he was a real ass kicker um, with the all-white suit, you know, uh, vest and shirt and tie and all that. I like seeing the classic suit. I thought that looked really good. I was surprised at how good it looked. Uh, we'll have to see where it goes. I mean, so far, I am surprised that they didn't start with his main personality. That part I'm not... Well, now, John has only seen episode one, so we don't want to spoil anything for him. So I'm not, no, <laughs> not going to spoil anything, but, you know, my the first episode, my wife was like, I could tell she was teetering on, like, I don't know if I like this or not. So I had to tell her um, who Moon Knight was, who he really is, um, and that this is just, a, a you know, a, one of his personalities. So that's the only thing I, I is kind of turning me off so far is I just eh, does he just, still live in stately Wayne Manor? Not <laughs> in this, not so far that we've seen. Okay. Not until Marvel buys DC. Does he know. drive a, a cab? We haven't seen that personality yet. I know which one you're thinking of, though. Let's see. I'm floundering here. I'm trying to figure out. I know he's got multiple personalities, but I'm not certain that I know them all, and I've just about exhausted my knowledge of it. He's not Daredevil, is he? When he was in that white suit, he looked like the Rose from Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, quickly, uh, I know not everybody's seen it, but who has seen Mor Morbius? Not me. Nope, not me. Am I the only one that has seen yeah, Morbius? Yeah, far away from that dumpster fire. Oh. <laughs> it's not as... I mean, I've seen the reviews. It's, and I'm not going to spoil anything. It's not as awful as the reviews would hint. Uh, I think, like Moon Knight, Morbius is a character that's hard to carry his own film. He's a good supporting character in another film. But for him to run his own... star in his own show, I think, is a little difficult. Um, it's, it's kind of by the books, you know, by the numbers, it's nothing, um, it seems like it's revolutionary. more of a movie that we would have seen in the early two thousands, you know, there's a superhero movies that we saw then yeah, it, versus it, what we'd see today. Yeah. It, it, it feels a little like, you know, the, uh, the Nick Fury TV film from the nineties. 
David Hasselhoff. Yeah. yeah, it feels a little like that with a higher budget. I mean, it feels like a kind of made-for-TV kind of 90s. Um, so I'll give you some of the criticisms, Tim. So the first thing that popped out, because I always look for, is there consistency, you know, reading audience reviews. And <clears throat> first one was that the CGI is not that good. It's not. You know, which is surprising, but that was a consistent theme that the CGI wasn't very good. Um, two, that the movie was all over the place. Like, just couldn't figure out where it wanted to go. I get that. Um, um, and then the last one was that it seemed like it was supposed to come out before Spider-Man was the, the latest one, No Way Home or No Way Out. Yeah. <laughs> I think <laughs> it sat on the shelf for about two years. Is Spider-Man in it? No, but it, it's... Does he have six arms? No, <laughs> it's in that same universe with Venom. Uh, Has to be. I and, saw that joke. And I'll, I'll say this, I'd, I'd watch this over Venom. I didn't look particularly like the two Venom films. Um, I have not seen Venom. I refuse to go. Jared Leto, who I don't particularly like, is not bad in it. Um, it's got a very, very generic villain. And the teaser is a kind of a teaser scene at the end that is setting something up which makes no sense to me at all, but Sony's trying to get their little universe going. Welcome to the universe of madness, or, yeah. or whatever it's called. Yeah, it kind of ties into that. Okay. So what do you think Disney will be buying out Sony? Well, I don't... Because they're not going to get the rest of Spider-Man back as easily as they did, you know, for Fantastic Four and X-Men. I mean, they had to buy out Fox. Well, they're going to have to buy. They're going to have to buy Sony to get Spider-Man back. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Well. Do you want to get into the book? Yeah, I think we should. Okay. <laughs> Which book is this? Marvel, Marvel Team Up sixty-five. Oh. I'm not ready. I'm going to drop out, guys. I need to take a nap. I just want to stick my nose in and say hi. All right. Thanks, Thanks Kirk. I'll, I'll Kirk. listen to the yeah. show later on. <laughs> Thanks, Kirk. Talk to you later. Right. Take care. Have fun. Bye. All right. Kirk's gone. We can talk about him. Exactly. And we got to get rid of his. we got to upgrade his computer fan. <laughs> that is the loudest. It sounds like he's got a jet fan. Well, I thought he was calling from his car. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like he was driving down the highway. We have to have a GoFundMe for uh, Kirk. All right, so let's talk about Marvel Team Up Sixty Five. All right, and I have all of the pertinent information here. As stated, Marvel Team Up Number Sixty Five. Our writer is Mr. Chris Chris Claremont. Our penciler is John Byrne. Our anchor is Dave Hunt. Our colorist is Dave Hunt. Our letterer is Bruce Patterson. Our editor is Archie Goodwin. And our editor-in-chief is Jim Shooter. Our cover art, which is a tie-in, kind of for us, is George Perez and Joe Sinnott with uh, Annette Kowicki, which I'm assuming she's a colorist. This has a release date of October 25th, 1977, with a cover date of January 1978. It's uh, 32 pages, but only 17 are the main story. This is reprinted in Marvel Tales 201, 87, Captain Britann and MI-13 Secret Invasion from 2009, and Essential Marvel Team-Up number 3 from 2009. The only other book 
that Byrne did at the same month was Champions number 17, The Sentinel's Hunt Again, which he was only the anchor. And we covered that book when we covered all the champions on our episode number 82. Yeah. Now, you, you were... Think about this for a second. Okay, um, this, yeah, the, I remember now. So you, you were talking about the reprints. And this is one that I found interesting. I don't know if we mentioned it earlier. I think we mentioned it off air. That um, I, it's not reprinted in the uh, John Byrne Marvel Universe omnibus, either of them. They skip around the, these two issues, and of course, they skip past the Red Sun uh, issue, which of course uh, I think was a, a copyright thing. But was there a copyright between problem with this and the like Marvel UK? I don't know. I have no idea. I know in the reprint they added the Spider Ham backup stories. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's actually where I saw this uh, book. Uh, it's not where I saw it first. Got to give my, my little bit of history is that back in the uh, in the seventies, of course, uh, the money that I, I didn't have a lot of money. Whenever I could, I would go buy comic books um, down at the Utotum or get, get to a drugstore or whatever. But I remember very specifically my older brother Matt um, coming to me and bragging to me about this new superhero he's seen, Captain Britain, who's even stronger than Captain America. And he was just sitting there talking, talking it up so much that even though I saw the book on the uh, the rack, I did not buy it. Out of spite, my brother. Uh, it, it, it's the thing with my brother. He's he is the master of one-upsmanship. He always is trying to one-up me on one thing or another. And for, for that, actually, he knew something about a comic that I didn't back then. Made him very proud. Did you just look at the cover and you went, you, sir, disgusting. <laughs> Back then they didn't use terms like sir. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, I was, what, 11 years old at the time. And, uh, you know, your relationship with your siblings is always a special one. And so for uh, whatever I did, I did not buy those off the, off the rack. And I didn't read it until later on when it was reprinted in Marvel Tales. And I think that I was kind of driven to read it uh, because of the imagery in Ohatmu, because they use that that one image of him using his big stick, which shall we say, uh, you know, against Spider-Man at the construction yard. And so I was, uh, I was like, oh, okay, so that's what it is. I, I think in recent years I've I've, I've gotten those two issues, but uh, they were not ones that I bought that I bought initially, and it's all because of my brother. Huh. Man, brothers. <laughs> I guess we gave a, little, a quick little background on <clears throat> Captain Britain or Britain or however you would pronounce it. Um, every time I say Britain, I keep thinking of Holy Grail and Terry <laughs> Jones saying, who are the Britons? Um, <laughs> he's. It was created for the... We need Andy Layla here. It was for the British Weekly book. Correct me here, Brian. Is that he was created just for the British Marvel comic readers? Yeah, it's the Marvel superheroes comic, and uh, it, it's funny because I did ask Andy about this, and if he had uh, any any um, you know love or or any back information on the um, the Captain Britain, or if he had any any thoughts or feelings about it. Uh, 
and really, really you know, he he kind of gave me an overview. He he doesn't really remember it. Uh, he does remember Cap debuting in '76. Uh, the early stuff was before his time, but he remembers reading the Daredevil when Alan Moore was writing it in '83, and that did really well. You know, so I mean, he he knew of those books, but they weren't something that he got, you know, obviously first run or anything because he was really pretty much too young. And uh, he just remembers, of course, reading the Marvel team-up stories with Spider-Man and Captain Britain. He loved those stories, but um, didn't really, really get much more. I might have tried to see if I could get him on the show, but uh, he didn't really have anything to uh, offer. Yeah. Well, the the in the the UK books, it was like a like a nine or ten page Captain Britain story, and then they were doing backups of black and white of FF, and I think Nick Fury. Uh, mm-hmm. To kind of fill out the rest of the book, so I think his yeah, book ran good. about forty issues. It ran away thirty nine, actually, yeah, yeah. thirty nine issues. And it, it's funny though. I mean, I mean, here it is. It's supposed to be a British superhero created by a British writer, or, or at least written by a British writer and Chris Claremont, but created in America. And as a result, you know, some of the things created for him, specifically the costume are not necessarily things that the British are looking at going, wow, that's a British superhero. That's the British Superman or whatever. Because um, the thing that's really funny on it, and, and, and Tim and I talked about this before, and do you want to talk about it? Well, it's, yeah, and it, it because we talked this off air that the his the creation of him is a little in mystery. I know it was originally written by Claremont and, and Trimpey did the art, but Trimpey himself says they don't know who created it and he speculates it looks like John Romita Sr. his design because he was I think at that point he was uh, was he art director at Marvel and he was doing a lot of the designs he would do a lot of the designs for new characters Uh, and later when it was retconned I think when was it when Alan Moore took over somebody else was writing it and they wanted to change the costume because the the lion on there although to us it says Britain to British people, it it's more of a symbol for high grade butter and eggs, or something like that. <laughs> yeah, so, the quality and freshness of eggs. Yeah, so they decided to go with, which is when I was first introduced with him when he they did Excalibur when Alan Davis and Claremont were doing that run, and he has the more iconic Union Jack looking uh, yeah. costume with that, the big that, high wellies. Eighty one. That costume debuted in the in the British mags in eighty one, and I think that's when Alan Davis started. Uh, working on it, and yeah, he he made the comment, you know, that they there was a lot of all sorts of in jokes about Captain Britain being a good egg, yeah. Um, and so, uh, yeah, they 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 wanted to make him still be kind of like an American style superhero, but with British sensibility. That's that's you know Alan Davis talking in uh, Modern Masters. Yeah. Well, what if they Byrne himself the- hated the costume? He says there is nothing he liked about. The Captain Britain costume. It was a pain in the posterior to draw with too much stuff that made it no logical design sense. And just try to imagine drawing that lion rampant from multiple angles and multiple mm-hmm. distances. It, it's going to be hard. That's why you like the nice geometrical shapes that we typically see in, in most costumes. Well, I almost think Press Cl- or, uh, Dave Cockrum designed <laughs> He always had those <laughs> intricate designs. Which looked cool, but yeah, paying the draw, I'm sure. Yeah, but I'd say, though, that that costume, that red costume, is more relevant today because it's already got a COVID mask built into it. (laughs) 
Oh, come on. That was funny. Wah, wah, wah. Well, it's a little like Egan Jack, his costume. He, but he does have too much of the... He's got the Egan Jack on his face. He's got it under his... On his wrists or is on his forearms. Yeah. Um, Just make sure you know he is British. That's right. <laughs> and the, 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 the hair cut out. Yeah, that's those, a little... those, those always bugged me because it's just like it, I mean you know it, it, it's another thing to just you know flaunt out yeah I'm I'm a blonde haired superhero come find me well, yeah if you're it, trying to hide lie. your identity yeah you get a liability in a fight to grab that long mane of hair yeah but according to the NFL that's part of the uniform and therefore not a penalty mm. wait a minute. <laughs> Oh, yeah, right. you know, you wanna, uh, well, go, yeah, go ahead. Wait, wait, I was going to say, do you want to kind of get into it? Or you got more background on it, Brian? You did a little more research, I think, than I did. Uh, I mean, I just I just found stuff. And uh, all of it I found in, in, in some of the research that I did. Uh, I, I went, of course, to Burn Robotics and found um, th- there's actually, and, and this is something else, because of the British reprints, um, there were two splash pages that were made for these books that we don't see. And uh, let me give you guys the link to these and we'll put the link in the um, in the, the, the episode notes um, that because it was reprinted in Britain uh, and, and they do theirs on a weekly basis in shorter pages, uh, they uh, had this uh, these extra pages done by Byrne. Oh, and so here is uh, the surprise. I'm just sending it to them so they can go look at it. And uh, you'll see the first one, of course, is uh, the page of, of Brian Braddock uh, in flames and smoke and everything with uh, images of Spider-Man and Captain Britain above him. And it looks like it's taken directly from the origin. The second one, of course, is from the second issue, which we're not covering today. But um, it does give all the, the credit here, uh, just as we do. And I noticed the letters is blank, even though that's Bruce Patterson. And Archie Gilbert, the editor, name is blank. Do you guys, are you guys seeing those pages? Yeah, I'm looking right now. They're nice, especially that second one. That second one's pretty sweet. I, th- I think both are great. I mean, I mean, again, you know, the the thing that most people don't realize is that this is so early in Burns' career, early enough in Burns' career. For one, he wasn't. Uh, doing things, he was really doing things from full scripts by Claremont. So he was, uh, you, as you would say, art robot um, doing doing these. And so you're going to see a lot more of the nine panel grids or close to that uh, in the book, and a lot less large pages, large uh, interesting uh, layouts and such. But the the other thing is that his pencils for these were so incredibly tight that it was up to the anchor to try and keep up. I don't think Dave Hunt was really up to the challenge for the most part, but on these uh, images here, I think he did a really, really good job. But in a lot of the stuff, I, I would have rather had some like Al Gordon doing the inking, um, you know, on that. Well, it's funny because he had... Back in the day. When he was doing this book, he had just started on X-Men. So he was teaming with Austin over there. And right. here, uh, I think Hunt... Is a little, just a little more heavy-handed with his inks than, if say it, Austin. It, it looks like he's he's trying to keep it in the same house style as a lot of the other inkers yeah. did back in the day, and 
I'm trying to remember of the 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 name of the the other inker from then that um, just seemed to to power. I mean, you know, I mean, not, none of them are, are like Vinnie Coletta, um, but there are other inkers that really overpowered Burns pencils on the Marvel team up issues. Um, now, of course, they also had the ones that did uh, really really good work, Tony De Zuniga. Um, but like, uh, was it Ricardo Villagran did an issue, and I was not happy with that. Uh, but um, and who did the Human Torch issue or the Iron Fist issues? Because those were also uh, those are Dave Hunt also. I mean, Dave Hunt was serviceable, but he just you know there were other anchors that were doing. Uh, uh, I, I can't I can't even say better job because he did what he was supposed to do. You know, kept it within the Marvel House style. But it seemed to lose a lot of Burns uh, flourish in doing that. But that's just my opinion. I could be wrong. A little bit of it, but I think enough of Burns, especially in the the flashback. We're getting into it. The flashback with his when he's kind of retelling his origin. Mm-hmm. That's that's some nice artwork, especially the coloring. Yeah. Would well, you want to give the uh, synopsis? I will love to give the synopsis. All right, our. Uh, again, Marvel Team Up number 65, our title of the story is Introducing Captain Britain, or Britain. After getting a letter from the Dean of Students telling him to be in his office at 9.30 sharp, Peter Parker finds that his luck is just as bad as ever as he oversleeps and is forced to web-sling across the city just to make it on time. Despite his best efforts, Peter ends up showing up an hour late. When he arrives, he's introduced to Brian Braddock, a student from Tim's University in England. Uh, who has come to New York on a student visit. The dean explained he has come to ask Peter to board Brian at his apartment since he signed a consent form that allows ESU to house foreign students to ESU attendees that have their own properties. Boxed in and offered $50 a week, Peter decides to accept it, but is concerned that taking in Brian could possibly compromise his secret identity as Spider-Man. Peter then takes Brian out to meet his friends at the Coffee Bean. And now for something completely different. Meanwhile, at London's Heathrow Airport, members of the British branch of the Magi, or Magi, is it Magi or Magi? Magia. Magia? Yeah. Magia. Magia cri- or Ma- Ma- it could be Magia or Magia. I mean, okay. it's supposed to be a, a rip of the mafia. Okay. The Magia Crime mafia. Organization have sought the international assassin known as Arcade to carry out an order to kill Brian Braddock who, along with a couple dozen others, is suspected to be Captain Britain. They're unaware that they are being spied on by a mysterious woman who remarks that their Braddock boy is on his own. Back in America, it is nightfall, and Peter checks to see Brian is asleep before changing into Spider-Man and going into action. However, Brian is restless and unable to sleep when he is called to the window by the sound of a speeding fire truck. It is then he spots Spider-Man swinging out of Peter's bedroom window. Finding Peter's room empty and not sure if Spider-Man is a hero or a villain, he assumes that Peter may have been kidnapped by Spider-Man and changes into Captain Britain. He then attacks Spider-Man. That's your first assumption. (laughs) (laughs) He's gone. He must be kidnapped. He then attacks Spider-Man, catching a wall crawler completely off guard. A fight ensues as Spider-Man runs away from Captain Britain in order to, to get a measure of the man's abilities. Noticing that his power is derived from his star scepter, Spider-Man tricks Captain Britain into following him into a construction site and manages to snare the scepter with a web line. Spider-Man then saves Captain Britain before he falls to his death. Spider-Man explains that he works with Peter, 
by giving him exclusive photos for the Daily Bugle. This somewhat false story appeases Captain Britain, and they both chalk it up to chalk up the attack to Britain being a novice superhero. Captain Britain explains his origins to Spider-Man. He was sought after by a criminal known as the Reaver, and he was trying to escape his men on motorcycle. He was forced to drive off a cliff, ended up in a horrible crash. Surviving, surviving, he was drawn towards the mystical siege perilous and was confronted by Merlin and his and the Lady of the Northern Skies. They explain that they have come to him as a test of faith and to see if he is worthy of being a champion against a villain such as the Reaver. They give him a choice of choosing the Sword of Might or the Amulet of Right. Brian chooses the Amulet and he and they would transform into Captain Britain, the champion of the land. He had many adventures clashing with various supervillains before coming to America. With the battle over, the two heroes decide to duck into hiding as police dispatch led by Captain Gene DeWolf is speeding through the area after reports of the fight between Spider-Man and Captain Britain were called into the police. Gene DeWolf. <laughs> they are, however, ambushed by Arcade and his minions, who capture the two heroes in a specially rigged garbage truck. After blowing past DeWolf, he takes them off to assassinate them. To be continued. Schlang! <laughs> One of my favorite sound effects. And that... I did not write that synopsis because I, I was I was lazy and didn't have time, so I took that from the wiki. So it was a little it's a little wordy, and they said I think I said Captain Britain about twelve times, but it yeah. gets it gets now, the point across. They kept showing Arcade in Shadow, but this does count as the first appearance of Arcade, right? It or does. They they call it the next issue, and I mean Arcade, of course, is uh, for as few appearances that he had. In the first several years, he is a very popular villain, villain amongst readers. They just love him, and, and 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 I find him, of course, interesting because he he is Speak for yourself. Well, I find no, I find him interesting because he is a, a derivative of the of I guess uh, Tommy and the Pinball Wizard. I mean, that was where mm-hmm. Chris Claremont got his uh, inspiration, and it and as Burn has said, it's like ninety percent his uh, Claremont's character. Um, he did say that he used Malcolm McDowell from Clockwork Orange in an ice cream suit as his inspiration, and I completely see that. If someone were to play him in a movie today, it would have to be someone like Carrot Top. Yeah. But, <laughs> but uh, I, I just I, I I find the character interesting, but I see the whole Tommy uh, influence there as well as Malcolm McDowell is just yeah, that's well, he's definitely such, perfect. He's casting. such a creation of his time. Like much like Dazzler, he's such a mm-hmm. product of the seventies that yeah. it's hard See, I to associate Ar- Arcade with an eighties villain because he was so popular in the eighties. And even as a kid, I didn't like him. I think I just <laughs> it's kind of one of those where it's like somebody went down the list and went, Okay, we're gonna make an evil guy that has unlimited resources and he has a uh a kink for making murder games. Okay, so he's going to look like this, and he's going to do this, and he's going to do that. I don't know. Yeah, I just He never did anything for me. He showed up in the X-Men video games. I think he was yeah. in the X-Men arcade game. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, he was just on uh, uh, the Hulu animated show. Uh, what is it? The giant head guy? Modoc? Oh, I, I yeah. watched Modoc, and I don't remember arcade being in there, but... 
I yeah, only watched you, the first episode. My wife really, really, really hated it. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. it's a show I, I watch alone, but that's um, definitely an acquired taste. That's for sure. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a little different. Um, it does have our screaming goats, John. There, it does. <laughs> yeah, I miss the goats. screaming goat. I miss the screaming goat. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, the other thing is that about arcade that's interesting is that Burn uh, had put into his. his contribution to arcade's uh backstory is that his origin story whatever he would say would never be the same twice which of course is something that we found that carried over to the joker after the killing joke is that his origin was never the same thing over mm. so i think alan moore may have uh that was alan moore wasn't it killing jokes alan moore yeah yeah that Alan Moore may have pulled that from from uh and i you know basically reading the burn backstory in captain britain since alan moore uh, wrote Captain Britain later. Well, I, uh, I I know Arcade mostly from the X-Men, and I was surprised when I was reading this that this is his first appearance and that he's mm-hmm. later, It's uh, he shows up in X-Men 1, 17? Yeah, but later. Spider-Man also makes an appearance. No, 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 it, was, it was in the 140s. Is it, was it the 40s? Yeah. No, he, no, no, no. He, he, had, he had an earlier appearance. Oh, that's right, he did. Yeah, because yeah. he was in the Burn era, but he was also in the Cockrum era. Um, right. Well, no, it was actually Burn. I, I looked it up. It was it was after it was after Burn had started the book because mm-hmm. he uses the same dump truck trick. He captures uh, yeah, Cyclops and, and hears it and is like Schlang. Yeah, Schlang. I've heard Schlang. Yeah, yeah. So he it's, it's basically reprising Spider Man, and except this time he's got Cyclops to, and Colin and, and of Colleen course giving the marginal notes that you need to go back and read these issues of Marvel Team Up. As we so miss in, in modern day books. Yeah, and I'll just leave my last comment as always. You know, you can't. I mean, I can see Arcade going up against a Spider Man, but what always bugged me is when you get these normal guys that don't have any abilities other than being super rich and evil. Why Cyclops could just shoot a pinhole beam through his head and he'd be dead in like five <laughs> seconds. You know what I mean? Like, he's not really a formidable enemy. Which is real fast. Which is weird that he seemed to go up against the X Men so much. It's like why? Right. Why that he seems more of a to your point a street level uh, exactly. Daredevil, like Spider Man. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, uh, Luke Cage. And know, uh, this is for you, for you and me, Brian. For some reason, I don't know if I read this or it was in one of the books or something, but I thought he was from Texas. I don't know why I thought Arcade was from. Hmm. Maybe it was the way they wrote his dialogue. But according to Wiki, he's from Beverly Hills, California. Yeah, I I, I did not know either way. Um, I and I, I never read his dialogue as, as someone from Texas. I, I don't know. I always maybe. thought he kind of sounded like an evil carnival barker, you know. Uh, <laughs> just, you know, didn't, didn't uh, you know, maybe a little effeminate, um, but still forceful. Well, but even in the 80s with those platform shoes and That's a bow tie. Like <laughs> yeah. But I mean, let's keep in mind that that in this issue he only makes what uh, three panel appearances total, or maybe four panel appearances total. Um, no, there's four on the first page, but you don't ever see his face. He's in shadow, uh, and you do see his his costume where it it's just so clowny. But uh, you really don't see a whole lot of him. We've given him a lot of a lot of press for this, but again, he's a bar, a big part of this. And uh, there will be more discussion on next issue. I don't know if we're covering next issue uh, anytime soon, but I hope we do. Are you uh, an arcade, arcade fan, John? Um, I did like Arcade uh, as a 
character is a foil. Uh, and uh, I looked it up. He's in X-Men 123. <clears throat> so, uh, you know, and, and growing up in the 70s and reading comic books in the 70s, I am used to products of our time and characters related <laughs> like Dazzler and Arcade and Silver Surfer and um, all of those things. And I have an affection for them probably just for that reason. And um, but I always thought uh, arcade was kind of cool because I love the 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 tricks and the 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 pinball games that they had to go through. So yeah, it was um, for me. I always thought he was kind of a cool character. I'm glad, and and I liked it because he wasn't like a cosmic level character. He was the uh, more street level character, kind of bring the the team back from the cosmic world stuff. I mean, I kind of like that variety in the X-Men when, when it was in the X-Men, but, uh, but you're right though. You know, the fact that he could give the entire X-Men team a challenge is a little bit out of it, but you just have to just suspend that. Um, and look at how the story was crafted so that it, that they could be subdued by arcade and then, um, fight their way out of it see you know when these stories were introduced and stuff i mean we didn't have a heck of a lot of the cosmic level stuff i mean it wasn't wolverine regenerating himself from a drop of blood type stuff you know right they had weaknesses and and they got tired and their powers wore out you know the longer they use them and things like that you just don't have that after the 80s it's just like everyone is infinite and they're always bumping it up a next level. So when you compare the X-Men of the 90s or later to fighting Arcade, you're right. They would just annihilate him immediately. And, you know, and the way that they're writing them now, they wouldn't even care if that Cyclops, you know, fried his brain and turned it Damn. into a <laughs> Sorry, you know? that made me think of him showing up in a comic book and going, hey, 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 and Cyclops buzzing him. You just hear a zip. Yeah. But you understand the necessity behind using a villain like Arcade here, right? Is Marvel Team-Up was the red-headed stepchild of the Spider-Man story. Can you stop saying red-headed stepchild, please? Are you red-headed? Our, all of us gingers around the world you know, are kind of like, hey. <laughs> no, and again, I'm not making a disparaging mark against you. I'm, I'm basically talking about your plight. <laughs> All right. And the, and the fact that you were, you know, you, you were discriminated against simply for the color of your hair. Rise yeah. up. Okay. The X-Men are about I, you. And Arcane's a ginger, well, too. So. Cyclops, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but I mean, the, the edit, editorial is really hard on them because, you know, Marvel team up, of course, brought in a lot of different heroes and they couldn't use Spider-Man villains. Every time they tried to use a regular Spider-Man villain, the regular Spider-Man editorial guys would go, ah, no, we got plans for him. And, I mean, it kept happening. And so it's like if you look at all the Marvel team-up stories, until you get to the Tigra story, or Tigra, I don't know how, which way you pronounce it, uh, with Craven, you're not dealing with any Spider-Man villains at all. And so they either had to find somebody else, like Super Scroll, which they were able to borrow from Fantastic Four, or uh, – uh, Golly, it was Equinox was completely created for Marvel Team Up, right? It was new, yeah. He was, yeah, and so so it was Arcade, Chris Claremont creating them, and it you know just because they couldn't use any regular Spider-Man villains, and when they said, well, we like to use Craven the Hunter, 
for that issue with Tigra, they, they were told, well, we've got plans for Craven. When? Well, three years from now. And that's when Jim Shooter finally stepped in and says, no, nah, they can use Craven. But up to so this point, say that there was this disparagement for Marvel team up. And, you know, I don't, when I was a kid reading this stuff, Marvel team up was a book that you wanted to have. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm, I'm glad they didn't use Spider-Man villains because we get enough Spider-Man villains in his own book. This way you're brought up against other situations in the Marvel universe. I just, I, I don't know. I'm just challenging whether or not you're correct that the the spider the Marvel team up was really this looked down upon product because it lasts uh, for I, what? I'm paraphrasing from Byrne himself. Well, and, okay, and, and Roger oh, so that notes. makes it true. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, yeah, I've I've gotten all this in, as background yeah. information in the research for this. So yeah, it, it is you know coming from them. I don't uh, think the sales are. I don't think he might have felt that way because he didn't want to be on the book. He thought he was too good for it or whatever. No, no, he well, wanted to be on the book because that but, was a way of doing Spider-Man without doing Spider-Man. Yeah, so I don't know. From a from a fan perspective, I don't think it was this look down. Maybe editorial didn't like it or the bullpen didn't like it. But you know what? As a fan, I looked forward to it coming out. I collected every issue. I didn't care. Even if I didn't like the guest star, I still picked up the book. Because it was Spider-Man, it was generally going to be a good book, a good story, and you and get more than one hero, and that was always great. Yeah. So. Well, and your point, know. John, it was kind of a one and done. It was out of continuity for the most part. With if you're reading Spider-Man, so you could read this story like a little. Usually, it was like there were two handers. It was, you know, this one would lead into the next one, resolve that story, then then you'd pick up a new hero to do two more stories or so, and you didn't have to worry about. You could just drop in without having any backstory on any of this stuff and, and enjoy it. You don't have to worry about having read the 50 prior issues to it. Yeah, so, exactly. You know, yeah. And it, so our, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I just say to your point, Brian, it was kind of it was a mixed bag because uh, at least early on, the some they you know there's a lot of Burn and Claremont issues that did Marvel team up that are that the artwork's great, the stories are good, and then sometimes they would. You know, as it got further along, it felt like they were more not as non-established artists or tryout artists yeah. or people giving somebody a chance here. Let's see what you can do with this book. So the necessarily the, the art and stories weren't as as good, I say, towards the end. And but I, I can agree with that. And Marvel T Marvel Twin was kind of the same way as like towards the end of the run they it's like they ran out of steam and people just weren't as invested in it uh, but some of these earlier stories especially the claremont burn run i mean yeah this serpent storyline was awesome and um the yellow jacket and wasp and thor and all of those issues man such so much good stuff see i always preferred the Mar as a kid the marvel team up to the marvel two-in-ones because you guys were talking, I think when I joined in, you were talking about what's in the, you know, the uh, uh, 50 cent bins or quarter bins. Mm -hmm. And I remember picking up a lot of those two in ones and just not liking them. Those are the ones that had the thing in them, right? For the most part. Yeah. Wasn't mm -hmm. like the, yeah. yeah. But they, they had the, the Great Serpent Society story. Um, and of course, that was when Burm was on it. They had, uh, they had a couple of really good runs. Um, you get to see Deathlock in there. 
But there's a point, I think, where Ron Wilson takes over the pencils and that pulls over into the Thing comic book when they canceled two-in-one and started up the Thing. And while Ron Wilson is very serviceable, I, I just always found his layout and and drawing dull uh, compared to other guys. Because, again, in two-in-one, got a lot of burn and got a lot of Perez. So, uh, you know, you, you can't go wrong with them. Yeah. So let's, let's – Let's get going on the book. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know. Perez, yeah. what do you think of this cover? I didn't know it was Perez until um, yesterday when I, was, when, I was, when I was looking into this. I didn't realize it was Perez. It doesn't I always look, thought it was Gil Kane. It doesn't look well, – I wouldn't have guessed Gil Kane. It doesn't look typical Perez it's, to me. Yeah, it's the eyes on Captain Britain that really threw me. The only thing that, that really speaks out to me as far as Perez is the Kirby Crackler around the scepter. Yeah, it's – Great yeah, I was, I, and I don't know. I was. I know everyone. I, I, from based on the earlier things about his costume, I always thought this was a cool costume. I kind of hated the the Excalibur version, and especially the later Excalibur version with the yeah. giant shoulder pads and whatnot and helmet. It was like, ah. <laughs> ouch! Yeah, yeah. I don't, no. I don't mind. The, I, I don't mind the costume either. I I uh, I never noticed this. When I was younger, but the lion almost looks like it was just like stamped onto his chest. There's no, there's no real definition in it. Yeah, you don't see his muscles see underneath it. Uh, uh-uh. it's like it's just kind of popped on there. But yeah, I don't mind this costume. I think the the gauntlets with the British flag on them are a little over the top. Yeah, um, <laughs> and I'm not a huge fan of like the monochromatic or you know monocolor uh, uh, superhero suits. Uh, but this one's okay. I think it's because of the lion. It kind of helps to draw your eye away from all of the red. Yeah. Yeah. But over the years, if, if you looked at all the different artist representations, that lion has been mangled by oh, so sure. many different artists just because it is such a pain to draw, which is why they, they had to make that change. I mean, it's, um, what 77 to 81 is when they had this costume. And in 81, they went to the other, other version. Well, at some point he loses that scepter because he doesn't need it anymore. And I don't think he has that amulet. He doesn't trans. I can't remember my Excalibur. He doesn't Didn't transform. He get the sword? Didn't, Didn't he get- take the sword? Didn't he actually take Excalibur? Oh, I, I, I again, I, I never read the, the later Captain Britain stuff. I only saw him in like the X-Men stories when Art Adams and Alan Davis were doing the artwork. So. I, I, yeah, I read Excalibur because I'm a huge Alan Davis fan. Um, but... I don't remember. He was kind of like just he was like Captain America. He was just kind of uh, he didn't transform into Captain Britain. He was all just his water powers, and he'd be basically he was just faster, stronger, and tougher. I don't think he could. I don't think he could fly. He didn't yeah. have this scepter. He was the British version of the six million dollar man. Exactly. Yeah, I was gonna yeah. say that <laughs> strong. <laughs> we can build him better. So the, the the first page when you when you get into the splash page is while it's a good splash page, it it is as milk you know, I guess steak and potato meat and potatoes as far as a Spider Man splash page. I mean, it's not great action. Obviously, he's late. He's late. That's it. You know, yeah. <laughs> he's swinging, and th- and that's it. You know, there's no great, great, great action. You know, this is a, a splash page that you're using, and 
I don't, I don't know. It, it, it could have been done differently. It's to catch your eye when you flip open the cover when it's sitting yep. on the stand, you, you know, yeah. which it does, right? You go, yeah, because you're kind of right into the middle of a story. Yep. Yeah, and, and that's that is it that you're right in the middle of the story. It's just I I don't know. It's like uh, I I'm I'm wanting something else for a full page splash. Okay. Like that one that we saw. That was really right. cool. That you're that extra one for thirty five cents. <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah. I don't mind this image of Spider Man. There's so many images of him, you know, uh, uh, webbing Sling. through the air that. Um, there's a lot of bad ones. This is not a bad one. No, it's like, a good one. Again, you know, there's nothing wrong with this. Technically, everything in here is is great. It's just okay. There's Spider Man swinging. Yeah, it worked for me. Though the next page has Gary Cody on it. Is that Gary Cody down at the bottom of the next page? The the is that the Dean? Yeah, Dean Beatty. Dean Beatty. Oh. Or Tony Stark's brother. <laughs> well, he looks. I mean, the thing is, is John Burns used a character like this in a lot of series. It's Starbrand. He was also that that particular uh, image of a person was also in Starbrand, and it makes me think of Gary Cody, who was in the Alpha Flight books. Had a little coloring error in the middle panel there, co- colored in his eyes red. Oops. Which is that page two? Uh. Yeah, where he's swinging through the air and then he j- jumps on the car. Oh yeah, on the top set. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. A little bleed over. Trash. <laughs> oh, okay. They must have fixed it. I'm reading my Marvel Team Up scan. So they must have fixed it when they reprinted it. Yeah, the Kindle. I've got the Marvel Team Up trade paperback in Kindle format, and they fixed it. But the scanned image of the individual issue, yeah, definitely shows that uh, the, the eyes are red there. And yeah, that's just a colorist. Bruce Patterson. There you are in the bottom. That's all right, Peter. We've only been waiting an hour. So they've been sitting there for an hour waiting for this dude. (laughs) Dang, man. (laughs) Okay, what I want to know is where Gary Cody got that awesome red suit. That's a a lot of red. And matching red shirt. Yep. And the mustard-colored tie. That's just, you know. See, my, it's it's kind of a rust-colored suit, a brown tie, and a yellow striped shirt. Oh. No. So it looks more yeah. like the suit's burgundy. That's not how it was originally done, Saw. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, it does, when you look back at the uh, older comics, they do, I kinda, it kind of has that 90s uh, high school, college sitcom look to it where it's like, Everybody looks way older than they should be. Yeah. You know, like uh, uh, Braddock, right? What are you, 30? (laughs) (laughs) Just now coming to college. You know, and Peter looks the same way. But, yeah, just always. Well, I think it's interesting. When you first see him, I like his little... Is like little Union Jack button. He's got to make sure you know he's he's not from around here. (laughs) And and he's got the Chandler Bing sweater vest on. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I kind of think like this page here was not as, uh, I, I mean, again, as far as the inking goes, I think it was rushed as compared to the other pages because the other pages are a lot uh, tighter, cleaner. And this is really, it's almost like Peter and Brian are heavily inked, but it was like maybe a rush. I see it in the jacket, his blue jacket. 
yeah. looks like that kind of 60s heavy brush stroke they would do to create folds. See, uh, in, in, in mine, it's gray, and it looks like uh, it looks like a bad copy of Simon Williams' safari jacket. No, Brian. Peter's is. Peter's is, yeah. yeah. Oh, I, talk, I was talking about um, uh, Brian. Brian's. Brian's is blue, but yeah, Peter's is yeah. kind of a, a yellowish-orange. It's got epaulettes. It's got the big collar. I mean, he can snap that collar when he wants to. Mm-hmm. Pop it, uh-huh. baby. Pop it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Black turtleneck. That's right. Style it. Yeah, but I mean, Braddock's suit looks like Clark Kent's in the in the Kurt Swan Superman era. You know, just a, a nice plain blue, you know, suit. Well, it looks kind of Maybe Ditko. dark. 60s Ditko Spider-Man, you know, suit top and shirt yeah. and sweater, either vest or just a sweater underneath. But Braddock, Braddock's collar is disco, man. Right. That is a big fan. You guys pop. notice that Braddock's face facial features kind of change from panel to panel. Like the main one where he's, you know, uh, I gotta work very hard not to make this guy look like Captain America or Hawkeye <laughs> or Hank. Yeah, King like or <laughs> or Johnny Storm. It's it's a definitive effort by everybody involved to not make him look like one of those guys. Right. And well, it's, the it's bottom just, left panel looks like a uh, young Robert Redford. With yeah, hair. that's that's what made it jump out to me. And then the one on the right, it looks like if you colored him and colored him with brown hair and put some more facial hair on him, he could be right from the Planet of the Apes comic book. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, in the top panel, he first when first Braddock is beating Peter, and he says hello, and they got it spelled H U L L O. Yeah, he doesn't that's, say hello. He says hello. Hello. That's the only time in this book that they try to. To me, it feels like they're trying to give him kind of an English accent the rest of the time that's that's a claremont staple i mean that went all through his x-men run uh x-men using and none of them are really british except for well i mean he's scottish but i mean that's just a claremont thing so which it was probably a british affectation maybe but he he's not doing it the rest of the you know either you either have to lean all the way into it and write the dialogue like He's a Brit, or you ignore it and just have to fill in the British accent in your head. Yeah. You know. Well, unfortunately, too many people get all upset when you try to write how a person sounds. Like you heard that with Rogue a lot. That people are like, "Ah, oh, you know, well, yeah, we know it. she's Southern. You don't have to write it for us." It's like, man, no. To me, that always <laughs> added to yeah the character now, while I was reading it. Now, if you guys look at the very next page, you can see yeah. the difference between this page and that one. This one, this next page is so much more polished. And, of course, it makes good use of Zipatone uh, in different textures within, the, like, the plane, the carpet, and the, the wall treatments or whatever that is. But everything on it just seems a little bit more polished than that previous page. I'm wondering if there was more than one inker working on this. That, well, that previous page actually looks more like Mike Esposito might have had a hand on it than just Dave Hunt. And that's what I was racking my brains on earlier. What other inker was there that this seemed like? Maybe maybe that's what was going on. There was more than one inker because they were rushed. Possibly. I don't know. I mean, it, it's, there's a lot of blacks in this next page where you, where you see the, the 747 and arcades. I guess that's his private plane. Yeah. With mm-hmm. the big A on the, big uh, a on, yeah, the exactly. on the tail, not going to find him. 
<laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm wondering if that might have bothered Burn a bit that there's so much text in that top panel that it almost blocks out the A completely. Because because one of one of his you know big things of frustration is that you know Claremont just had this want and need to fill every portion of every panel with as much text as possible. Oh. I like, I like the, the fact that, that Arcade has pinball cufflinks. Got a little pinball table. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yep. That is how that's fun. B- bottom middle panels got the yeah. You got a close up of them. And I like how he's twirling his hat and his cane. That's what. That's the kind of carnival barker part of him. He's got that. Yep. Kind of. I don't even know what style hat that is. It's not a pork pie hat. It's a straw hat. And yeah, one of those that. hats that like. Um, uh, quartets wear when they're doing their singing. Yeah, I never, I never noticed till just now the arcade shooting machine right next to arcade in the third panel. Yeah. That's kind of like that. Yeah, it, it, I mean, you you remember those? And I'm trying to remember which which one that is because uh, there's a couple. There's one that um, I remember the one that they show in Jaws where you're actually harpooning a, a shark. The killer shark uh, game. Yeah, yeah, and then there's another one where you're you're shooting at uh, deer and other things as they're running about. But I'm, and there's a bunch bunch of them, but they're a, a lot more rudimentary compared to the later video games. So that's one of those older older style ones. Well, if they were doing arcade now, they would have him be kind of an '80s throwback where he's into classic uh, arcade games, and he would have yeah. them all over the place. And he would use that to style his murder worlds. Now, as far as style goes, I got to say, I love the handlebar mustache on the one mafioso there with the uh, yeah. the purple trench coat. <laughs> uh, that's just that's just perfect. Uh, you know, central casting evil bad guy. It, it, the only thing is he never twirls it. You think he kills everybody with his murder? You know, he says this guy. One guy says he's the finest assassin in the world, and we need him. So when he's not, if he's just killing off regular folks, he's not killing off you know superheroes. You think he still puts them through the murder murder world scenario, some elaborate uh, a version of it. I, I almost equate it to more of an escape room saw type situation with the average people. You know, more like pulling the wings off of a fly. Well, it's like something out of Squid Game. Yeah, which I haven't, I haven't, I've not watched it yet. I need to watch that. Oh, you need to watch Squid Game. Yeah. But then again, I haven't watched any of the Saw movies. I just know the premise and everything. It's, you know, not my not my kind of thing. But we'll see. So, um, so, is, so are these guys hiring Arcade to kill all of these guys or just... Oh, just Braddock. Braddock. Just, just Brian Braddock. Braddock. So yeah. I wonder why he's... Why Braddock... Is if they think that there's a dozen guys that think they might be Captain. Yeah. So Britain. they're 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 getting a whole bunch of people all over the planet killed. Brian just happens to be one of them. I guess and they're who hiring knows all these. If any if any other any of the other guys survived, you know. Well, he's probably hired Scaramanga to kill one of the other guys. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay, next page. A lot of questions. Why is there a huge stuffed dog in Peter's apartment? 
That's uh, I don't know, it, but I know that wooden Indian was kind of a staple of his yeah. of his apartment during the eighties. Um, that's that's his snuggle buddy. And, and okay, and then here's Thunder the, Buddies. the yep. stupid funny comment. Um, do, does anybody else find it ironic that Brian Braddock wears boxers uh, as underwear, but yet his superhero costume has trunks, which are more like briefs? Wouldn't that cause a bad line somewhere in the in the costume? <clears throat> putting on the trunks over the the briefs, or does he go commando? Well, we all know he's well, European. He would not be wearing yeah. boxes. He'd be wearing little tidy speedo type jockeys. <laughs> but I guess you can't draw that. And Byrne was born a Brit. You think he'd know that? <laughs> well, I'm sure somebody said you can't draw that. Yeah. <laughs> Anymore, swimming suits are less than the. Underwear, true. Sometimes, so, what what is the device Miss Locke has sticking out of her car? You know that red convertible. Is that like to, so she can talk to Arcade? Looks like it. <clears throat> or it's one of those. It's got, it's, it's oh. got the little. It's got the little bolt things to, I think, indicate they're talking through something. I think it's like an antenna. Maybe he's. Uh, yeah. yeah, I think it's an antenna. It's okay. She's holding yeah. something. All right, yeah. Um, Peter peeking in on Brian's a uh, little bit odd. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I think I'll just <laughs> stare at him little, for a while. Yeah. Well, little, I mean, this it's a little is a super, little superhero wanting to protect his secret identity. Uh huh. Okay. I, uh-huh. I, 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 uh-huh. I can buy that. And why? He could I, have just got dressed and slipped out of the, the apartment, <laughs> too, and not have to worry about it. But. <laughs> <laughs> and just the way Braddock is laying in there, I'm like, hmm. <laughs> well, he says I he mean, can't he, sleep. He knows Peter's watching. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you like what you see, Peter? <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's, it's funny he's going out the window because I thought at this point, this is his Chelsea apartment, right? Wasn't he going out the skylight? Yeah, that's where he would typically go out. Yeah. And. So he can't. Peter can't have afforded a two bedroom. So that's awfully nice of him to give up his room for his guest. <laughs> Sleeping on, I'll sleep, I'll sleep on the couch while you can have my nice comfy bed that I never rarely get to sleep in. But <laughs> yeah, I, I would love to see Cash Jordan cover Peter's apartment. Have y'all ever seen a Cash Jordan video? To someone that like recreates like. The Cash Jordan, yeah, he's a, he is a New York realtor, actually. And what he does oh. is he he uh, previews apartments on YouTube. But he's really cool because, no, number one, he'll sit there and he'll sh- show you the, the, the traveling to that neighborhood, you know, which trains you're going to take, subways you're going to take. And then he'll walk around the neighborhood and say, here's the places you can go eat and drink and whatnot. And right over here is where Spider-Man fought Doc Ock. Or, you know, he'll point out something from D.C. or whatever. He's, he throws a lot of pop culture stuff into uh, his stuff. And, of course, whenever he sees the Flatiron Building, he always points out that was the Daily Bugle in the Spider-Man movies. Nice. Um, but just uh, really interesting. If you go on YouTube, just search Cash Jordan. And uh, it's it, he's an interesting guy to live uh, to listen to, to watch. He's kind of comforting. And I, I think that he used John Byrne's hairstyles as his model for his hairstyle. So just, you know, uh, the more, the more I look at Peter's room, the more that, that place must just be an eyesore. Right. So Braddock is, 
uh, covered up by like a quilt. You can see like it's all different colors and whatnot. It's the living room. It's got to be the living room because it's the couch. He's sleeping on the couch. Yeah. Oh, and, okay. then he's, and then he's got giant rose curtains, pattern yeah. curtains uh-huh. and a wooden Indian and the creepy stuffed teddy bear. I think Peter went out the window so as not to have to open the skylight because that probably would have made a whole bunch of noise. True. Maybe the skylight's still, in the living room. Yeah, but the, the the sirens down below, unfortunately, is what got you know Brian to, to hear that and, and run out and realize that Peter's leaving. But yeah, all that. And then, of course, he rubs his funky gold medallion <laughs> and <laughs> comes out as Captain Britain. I'm glad. I wasn't sure where you're going with that sentence for a minute. Yeah, complete, <laughs> complete with his COVID mask. That's a great I, panel. I, <laughs> I like that panel with Captain Britain. That's... Yes, it is really, really cool. And I like the way the, the British flags are on his wrist there better than they were on the cover. Because I think the cover was, um, yeah, the small ones, much like what he's got in his head. He should have blue boots. I think that would yeah. that would break it, up. break it up a little more. He's not so much it's not so much red. Blue trunks would be bad though. But no, yeah, that's too close to Superman, I think. And that's why yeah, they did it. They avoided that. <laughs> well now he wouldn't have trunks now, he just have a pair of pants. Now, does Captain Britain fly? He does fly, doesn't he? He flies with his scepter. Because that, yeah, okay. once he gets when Spider Man yanks it away from him, he starts to fall. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So his scepter is much like Thor's hammer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I don't know what the little spike on it is. That seemed like that would be the uh, that could be a uh, lethal. Yeah, well, it could be. Yeah, you could either or you could hurt yourself on it. You know, depending how you're grasping that thing. Yeah, <laughs> pale yourself. <laughs> spider. I don't know how spider on the next page. I don't know how Spider Man wasn't knocked out when he gets railed there by Captain Britain. That looks like uh, he should be like out of breath in the know? stomach. Yeah, that would totally. Yeah. Well, yeah, but see, the, the thing is, is like, the, and this is where Claremont falters because typically every other writer would say it's a good thing I rolled with that punch, or it's a good thing I rolled with that head. It's a good thing my spider sense wore me, so it just simply grazed me. Because that's what you would typically get get in the panel. Well, we do that. get a nice oof when yep. he's hit. Yep. 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 And then, of course, there's the um, the neighbors that it, down in that one panel that are going to call the police because they ain't putting up with this. <laughs> there's two guys fighting, Martha, fighting in midair right outside a bedroom window. Well, I ain't putting up with this. I'm calling the police. Second this time is, this week. This is New York, right? I mean, that's a daily occurrence. I think you would. <laughs> You would yeah. think that when when you're 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 getting apartments in New York, you'd be like, "Well, it's a nice it's a nice location, but the FF <laughs> tend to fly through here on a regular basis, so you're going to be disturbed by that." Do most New Yorkers say "cripes"? In in Marvel, they do. I know Cyclops said "cripes" a couple times. Wolverine said "cripes," but I figured that was just an X Men thing. Maybe Professor X thinks it a lot, so therefore everybody thinks it, you know. I think it's but, kind of shorthand for he can't say Christ, he, you know. Yes, I know. He does say Holy Hannah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, speaking of which, Declan's been picking up on some bad language. Uh-oh. My, my four-year-old. Um, and so he he was running around saying, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, everything. Ooh. Uh-huh. 
which, you know, on one hand, it's like, you know, we're not very religious. We, you know, the other hand, it's not nice to say, but is it not nice to say because you're putting the religious connotations with it? So I just told him, I said, don't say that. Say cheese and, and rice. rice. Yep. <laughs> cheese and rice. <laughs> so that's what he's been saying now. Cheese and rice. That's more fun to say anyway. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> so on the next page, <laughs> we uh, we actually see that the battle heads over to Machio's construction yard. <laughs> so a nice nod there to, to uh, editor and writer Ralph Machio. Not the Karate Kid. You sure it's not the Karate Kid? I am positive it's not the Cobra Karate Kai Kid. Cobra Kai is very popular right now. Yeah, he, he doesn't even actually start getting into movies until like 82, so, you know. But what, do I, the thing is, all I can read is Macho. I cannot read the other text. Is there? Are you guys able to zoom in on that at all? To see what all it says? Because it looks like he, he went and put a bunch of stuff in there. That says, could Brian, be legible. Don't worry about what this <laughs> says. <laughs> It's all in the details, and I love the details. Yeah. No, below it looks like a skyline and just some other squiggly stuff, just to make you think there's something there. Yeah. Now, the, the bottom panel here, and there where you see Spidey throwing the girder at him and him blocking you with the scepter with the splong. Uh, that's the one I was talking about that I remember seeing reprinted many times, especially in a hot move. A hot move. Yeah. Mm, okay. Who's who's getting that? I hope that that's going to land somewhere where in this abandoned construction site, because yeah. otherwise that's going to go. Maybe it killed the old couple who was yeah, calling yeah. the cops. So, so sir, you want to tell us exactly what happened? Yeah, a large orange girder came into my apartment. Why is it orange? Mine's not. Mine's blue. Yours is blue. Let me take this it orange. It's a, it's a, in the 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 reprinted uh, from the trade paperback, it's orange. Um, if I look at the scanned image, it's, yeah, it's still orange. Hmm. Well, the, the, the fake, uh, girder I got with my $6 million man doll was orange. Yeah. So maybe yeah. that's and maybe, maybe it's rusty. Maybe it's <laughs> rusty. Maybe, maybe they had to stop work because, you know, it was the, the late seventies and, you know, there was a lot of, you know, economy issues. And so they had to stop work and everything got rusted. I do like on the, the next page where uh, Spider-Man is running away, um, trying to get some time. And, of course, he puts everything together, which in this case is not very hard, right? It's like, oh, this British guy just came to town, and now all of a sudden I'm being chased by the British Captain America. But I just love it when other heroes figure out other heroes' identity, like it in here it's in it's in one page but yet other heroes have been running around for decades and nobody knows who they are well he says he said in a couple earlier panels like well his 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 voice he sounds foreign but his mask (laughs) is muffling his somehow it's changing the sound of his accent (laughs) i'm sorry i just i I didn't put it together until now what if he's been talking to him the whole time but just sounds like (laughs) (laughs) Perhaps he's wondering why he'd shoot a man before throwing him off of a plane. Oh, excuse me. Sorry. Wrong accent. Spider-Man just, I, I can't understand anything you're saying. Pull the mask. Pull the mask down, please. Can you lift it up a little? Well, maybe it's oh, like... Uh, you said it sounded like the Peanuts teacher. 
Well, I think Spider-Man has, has said that, that because of his mask, he thinks that, and let's be face it, if you're talking to that thin layer of fabric, that's not going to change your voice at all. But I think they've, they've used that to why nobody puts together that when they talk to Spider-Man, they sound just like Peter Parker. It's, yeah, it's funny watching the, the Amazing Spider-Man movies, the one with Andrew Garfield. I, I always felt like whenever they did his ADR that they always made him talk through like a scarf or something because it always sounded a little bit muffled. I'm, I'm just waiting for them to give us a Spider-Man with a true Brooklyn accent. Um, well, Holland tries to do something there with it, with his accent from time to time. It wavers into that, that Queens, you know, the, those borough areas, but uh, not, not, not heavy Bronx. That would be great. I'd watch that movie. <laughs> just swearing galore. <laughs> <laughs> Go blank your mother. <laughs> uh, next page we get see. my web shooting go bada bing <laughs> <laughs> I'm coming for you uh, <laughs> the next page we see uh, as Brian said before you know that he once he knocked the scepter out you know he he's losing his power he's falling to the ground it's a good thing he didn't uh, end up like Gwen <laughs> oh right <laughs> <laughs> have another one on his hands dang it yeah well, maybe Spider-Man, he's, he's, he's uh, improved that. You know, he, yeah, he, he was... Yeah, he's got him by the ankles right. anymore. Looks like he's got him by the arm. So like, yeah, right, but the, the, his arm out of the socket. <laughs> the webbing allows more like a, a bungee bounce, you know. Uh, yeah, but it, just a, where it's attaching to him in that one panel, it looks like he's whipping him right into the taint. <laughs> it, it does look like he's, he's catching him right in the crotch, doesn't it? <laughs> I thought it was there. going for the arm. Not you got, you guys just went there, okay? I not saw there. him hitting his arm. <laughs> don't thwip me there. That <laughs> <laughs> yank his trunks right off. Now, that, that shot where he's sitting there holding him up by the web and, and, and he's talking to him, it, isn't that just a prime shot for the Baxter building to be sit there behind it? That just would have been cool but he i guess burn wasn't thinking about such things then well he's if he's been how far he's gone he's probably still in brooklyn i mean or no mm -hmm. uh is spider-man's apartment in manhattan is that right oh, oh shoot. It, is, it is kind of weak that peter knows tells him who he is but um he, he doesn't tell him <laughs> yep i i know who you are and hey it's me we're all good well, then Captain Britain just like, yeah, let me tell you my story. Yeah, you know? I'm going to tell you my whole <laughs> That'd be where in the comedy movie, uh, the real uh, and, heavy and Brooklyn Spider-Man yeah. walking away as he's talking. And, and at this point, Peter still hasn't put together that they're the same. I mean, you've never seen this British guy superhero before in your city. Brian shows up. You even say he sounds like that guy, Brian Braddock. Oh, well, I'm, I'm, By the way, Peter's apartment is on the Lower East Side. Okay, so it's in Manhattan. Yeah, it's on Ninth Avenue, just south of Chelsea. I yeah. got that information from a Hot Mood Deluxe Edition. Um, so it's interesting to... to note that the Kingpin's office is at the same place where DC Comics offices were at that time. <laughs> Okay. Sorry, I'll shut up. So now we're going to get his 
recap story, and I went through and found the uh, the origin from uh, the British ones, and kind of read over that because I wanted to see what it was like, and it pretty much recaps the story exactly. Is it? Yeah. Where did you find that, John? Is that you just found it online, or? Yeah, uh, read comics free. Oh, let me go look into that. And we get good use of Stonehenge and a and great eye shot. It's probably in the, um, I'm pretty sure they're all in the new omnibus that just, it's going to be out uh, Sunday. Right, David? Captain Britain omnibus? Uh, it'd be released on Tuesday or Wednesday. I don't think I even ordered any of them. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> not a huge following, I don't think, for him. But on that next page, the thing that jumped out to me was that sword would be ginormous. Like it looks like it's bigger than Braddock. Oh yeah, it's so big. Like it'd have to be wielded by a titan. <laughs> <laughs> well, if he chose it, maybe it would shrink down to his size. Oh, that's why. That's why he chose it. Oh, it's, oh, you know, it's compact. You know, it's like carrying the sword around all the time. That'd be a pain. Would be a pain. But where does the scepter go when? 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 I mean, don't ask. It, yeah, okay. <laughs> It's cold. Well, if he that had hook's got a whole <laughs> new purpose then, huh? If he had chose the sword, would he still be or is that like the trick? If you choose the sword, we know you're not the right guy. Or would he become still become Captain Britain? Well, in the origin, the the there the folks that were chasing him, uh, they chased him to this point and he had just grabbed the amulet. And then the guy that was trying to kill him grabbed a hold of the sword and he turned into an evil guy. So I don't know. And I couldn't tell if that was, if that just, whatever the magical item does, what it, the, the, the god and the goddess there are not into like, oh, we want you to be the, or these are going to make you an automatic hero or a villain. It's just, it's going to take your base nature and amplify it and right. you'll do with it what it was. So the other guy, when he grabbed the sword, he became the reaver and he was like, right. <laughs> almost like, uh, uh, he had this like shining arm, uh, this, this armor. And it had one of those big, huge poofy, um, tails on the top, kind of like killer strike or whatever that one guy yeah. was. Yeah. Yep. So that's what happened with that. So, you know, he may have grabbed it and he may have become bad or it may have just he would have used it in a good way, sort of like Thor or whatever. Yeah, it would have been. I think it's one of those. I, I think you nailed it. You know, yep. whatever is your true nature will come out. I, I, though I do think it's kind of weak, that panel in the bottom left where it's like, I choose the amulet. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> like you're not going to see that on a lunchbox. Yeah, it's like the like an act of defiance, and then of course there's that picture in the bottom right of all the villains he's faced, which none of them are recognizable except for the Red Skull. Right, one of them looks like flat top. The guy yeah, in the upper left, the the one in the upper left with the the helmet and the yeah hook, yeah, that's the one who grabbed the sword. Gotcha. Well, I think Captain Britain made a better style choice. That's for sure. <laughs> But just in time, once they finish the origin, that's when, of course, uh, you know, Peter tells him he got bit by a radioactive spider. But didn't have time to tell him about Uncle Ben because they got interrupted by a helicopter. Well, he still tried. He still doesn't think he doesn't know he's Peter. So he's he doesn't you know, he doesn't want to give him too many clues. Yep. And then down here we see Captain Gene DeWolf, who uh, was a was a favorite of mine until Peter David killed her. 
with her uh, trademark cigarette and, and beret. purple beret. <laughs> Kiki beret. Raspberry <laughs> beret, more than Raspberry beret. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Prince. Okay. But, and of course, uh, they're down street level, and of course, we see the garbage truck. And that's like a brand new garbage truck. I have never seen a new garbage truck ever. So that's kind of interesting. All garbage trucks look old and, and way used, you know. But this one, Not this that one's one. But, uh, you know, Burn, he can make anything look cool and clean and neat. But, man, the, the thing grumbles and gripes even before it hits him with the schlang. It gives him the... <laughs> Look at the windows on Those are cool windows. It's like the chariot on Lost in Space. I'm looking at the last page at this point. And the articulation on that uh, device, that can't be hydraulic if it's going to slam down like it does because hydraulics just don't react that quickly. It's got to be... <laughs> I don't know, some, some other mechanism, like a pneumatic type thing. Mm. Yeah. Does it then suck them up in there, or does it close and then just pull them in? <laughs> I think it's like a vacuum. Yeah, I'm sure it's a vacuum. <laughs> it's got a bunch of Dyson stuck in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So, well, and then they drive away laughing. Well, there's miscoloring mm. on that um, middle panel. Where are, is that? Oh, no, that's Jean DeWolf. Okay, so mm -hmm. let me see. No, it's still miscolored. Uh, she was wearing a brown trench coat, and they got her in red now, uh, at least on the trade paperback version. Well, I, I give this arcade is not just – he's just going to hire his minions to do it. He's there doing the job himself. Yeah. He's driving the truck. He's driving the truck. That's cool. Murder world. <laughs> the next murder world. Where nobody ever survives. Almost. Then how do we know about it? Well, yeah, true. Yeah, that's it's ballpark. It, it always bothers me when they have the eyes white, but everything else in shadow. It's like, what are you, a Ninja Turtle? Do <laughs> 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 you have special little LEDs that just light up your eyes only? It, it, it reminds me from when I was a little kid. We lived up in New Hampshire, and I remember going up the stairs to go to to go to my room. And there's this lot as you get up the stairs, there's a hallway to the left. It goes down, and that's where all the bedrooms are. And it was dark. The lights were out. It was night. It was dark. And there were these two orange glowing things coming towards me. It looked like eyes, like some demon's eyes. It scared the crap out of me. And it was my dad who had just lit two cigarettes, one for him and one for my mom. <laughs> <laughs> that's what that made me think of. Wow. Yeah, well, hey, you know, memory is a tricky thing. Yeah. Now, does anybody oh. have the actual physical copy of the of the issue to let us know what you know if there were any good ads, a good hostess ad, or uh, maybe a good letter or something? I've got ads in my Marvel team up, but I'm sure they're they're not the same ads because I've got like Robotech, the role playing game. I've got Tang. I've got Aurora, the closest thing to real racing. The old race, the old electric or slot car racing cars. Yep. Yep. I remember those. I love those. Ultimate HO scale system. There's a, a place here where they've got a gigantic slot car uh, racetrack. And people are always bringing their things in trying to show who's got the fastest car. I mean, it's just like, okay, it's electrical current and 
all that, but it, it looks cool still to just sit there and watch. I could watch it all day. Yeah. So next issue is his first full reveal, Arcades. Yeah, no, and are, are we going to cover that anytime soon, I guess, is the question. We well, we should. Time. I like having the back-to-back -back stuff, you know. Yeah, maybe keep, maybe keep our next episode. Going. We can cover it. On that. We can just cover it next. I mean, I, I, if I thought about it, and I would have said, "Hey, do you guys want to cover both today?" But no, we can right. just. No, not now. We're we good. can not now. Yeah, because I haven't. <laughs> I don't, <laughs> obviously, not going to do it right now. <laughs> okay, so, so nope, uh, you know, earlier I was talking about the woman I thought was Miss Locke, but uh, the continuity notes in the Marvel Wiki says that that's why it's why they believe that's Sabrina Morell. And so this would have been her first appearance. However, she's not named in the story nor in the next issue where she's presumably operating behind the scenes. Now, we know we, we do see Miss Locke uh, wearing that blue and white outfit that is uh, a nice burn staple. But uh, so that was a different character altogether. So Sabrina is in the car. Yeah, she's the one in the car. And so this had been like a storyline that I guess Chris Claremont was doing um Let's see, that would follow up through what Super Spider-Man and Captain Britain. Because the Marvel superhero story book, uh, the, the book became Super Spider-Man and Captain Britain later. And they had a, a pretty decent run there. So um, probably the story continued there. Claremont was writing. I'll have to sit there and look that up. But I don't think Mike's Amazing World covered any of the British books. So it will be hard to, to track down. Yeah. Um, okay, on the letter pages, web centers, letters to publish from Robert A. Rusk, Mark Perigard, Ray Shugart, Maurice S. Kane Jr., and Matt Kaufman. So nobody we know. There's nobody I know. And that's all the real notes I see in regards to that on the wiki. Now, I did have a couple other notes myself that I wanted to take a look here real quick and see if, I, if we've already covered a lot because it, it, it was uh, you know let's see uh, I already talked about Spider-Man villains um, major potential for interesting stories Burma sitting there saying although it, it should be noted that it got a little strange for a while Marvel team up was the book that not only broke Spider-Man's characterization as a loner but also forgot that he was a street level character it was MT, MTU that we saw him travel to the moon, travel through time, fight aliens, etc., much like what happened with Batman and Brave and the Bold. The heroes become very generic. And then he says, in part, this is why I delighted to be assigned to the title. It gave me the opportunity to work with Spider-Man, but there was very little performance anxiety since it wasn't the real Spider-Man, he has in quotes. Um... And then, of course, he, he puts in the caveat, Stan and Steve had Spider-Man fight aliens very early on. Decades later, though, Roger Stern did his best to retcon that adventure into something more literally down-to-earth, turning it into an early adventure by Mysterio. And um, he also talked about the contempt for Marvel Team-Up. He says, one can spot the subtle contempt in which Marvel Team-Up was held. One pays attention to the other Spider-Books not long after Spectacular Spider-Man started. Spider-Man was given a line in which he noted he seemed to be twice as busy as usual. I suppose that was easier than a third again, but hey, you know. And let me see. 
I think that's really about it. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead, make the goat screen too, please. You know what's really bizarre? So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so John, you're right. So the Captain Britain omnibus comes out uh, this Wednesday. Uh, let's see. It does not include this Marvel team-up issue. Collects Captain Britain 1976, 1 through 39. Super Spider-Man and Captain Britain, 231 to 247. Hulk comic number 1 and 3 through 46. Incredible Hulk Weekly, 47 to 55 and 57 to 63. And then Marvel Super Heroes, 377 uh, to 388. Uh, let's see. Man, it's all over the place. Daredevils 1 through 11, Mighty World of Marvel uh, 7 through 16, Captain Britain the 85 series 1 through 14, and Marvel Tales 131 to 133. Uh, Mar oh, no, it does. Sorry, it's all the, all the way at the bottom. I don't know why that wouldn't be first. Marvel Team Up 65 and 66, New Mutants Annual number 2, and X Men Annual number 11. Gosh, that's got to be like every single place he's popped up by himself. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that's a lot of Captain Britain. <laughs> yeah, and it, it, it's interesting that they would de devote a omnibus to him. So do you think they're maybe having some plans of introducing him somewhere? Because he's not that well-known of a character outside of Excalibur. And even then, I think that's kind of... He wasn't that like super popular, so no. He was. He, he always seemed to be the American idea of what a British superhero should be. Well, yeah, I mean, the, because where they're created here, were all true. Um, but I just wonder why they're investing yeah. in, why in now? this and Captain Britain, unless they're unless they're maybe leading up to some sort of a plan. This is throwing anything against the wall and seeing what sticks. Perfect. Well, yeah, but those omnibus were not cheap. I would think they did. Uh, to John's point, are they going to introduce him to the MCU? Are they going to? Is it going to get a new ongoing series? Is, is this like a launch to tie in with something else? I mean, does does Moon Knight have an omnibus? It's one hundred and twenty-five bucks. Oh yeah, just had a couple. I mean, it's, it's kind of like unless unless they're going to try to do something with the next set of Avengers films. Because they're bringing in the Black Knight. I mean, like, why would you introduce the Black Knight? <laughs> Such a crazy character. And uh, so unless they're going to try to do something along that line. That's why introduce going... Star Fox? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, right, yeah. You know, as part of the Eternals. So who knows? Uh, or maybe they're going to capitalize. That since they can't do X-Men, they'll do Excalibur. Or does that contract preclude anything to do with any derivative ideas? It may be as simple as we, you know, we can't afford these actors that been in all these other films, the the the, the Robert Downey Jr.'s, the Chris Evans. So we're going to pull new characters. We can hire somebody cheap to portray. So we still have a superhero. It's somewhat recognizable, but we've got a cheaper actor to play it. So you know, maybe they want a more worldly type. Uh, team, you know, with with the Black Knight coming in, that you know, maybe they're gonna, maybe that will lead into uh, Captain. Maybe he's gonna get a Disney Plus show. Mm -hmm. 
You get everybody else is getting show. one. You get a Disney Plus show. That's right. Everybody <laughs> else is getting one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, well, it's good that it's preserved. I mean, that's for those who are fans. I mean, I've tried to get into the character, the solo adventures, and it's like, eh, I'm not that interested in his adventures alone. I, I like this kind of stuff where he shows up as a guest star in another book. So, I, you know, I like the character well enough for that. Yeah. And the little bit of Excalibur that I did read when it first came out, I liked it well enough it's just to me the series kind of went off the rails with the whole saturdine saturline thing and all of those other things i was like okay lost me here <laughs> see and i i and when i was reading in the uh, early late 80s early 90s you were either like an excalibur fan or an x-men fan it felt like you didn't co-mingle <laughs> you know? uh-huh. <laughs> um because I didn't know any friends that liked Excalibur and those books, like I swear you just, you trip over them and a hundred of them would fall in your head because <laughs> they were everywhere. Um, but uh, we were all X-Men fans, but yeah, the people that I, I, I recall trying to get me into Excalibur were like, Oh, it's so good. And I, I tried to, I just didn't do anything. For me. I read it for the art because I love Alan Davis. So I was reading it mostly for his art. The stories were kind of, they tried to be a little goofy Maybe they tried to be a little more British centric. I think um, it, it it could have been what what I like about Alpha Flight that Alpha Flight was very leaned very heavily into Canada and the mythos behind Canada. And I would think Excalibur could have done that. They just they kind of went off of their own. They had the werewolves. And they had was it Mojo? Or was it Mojo? Who was their main villain? Mojo. Well, Mojo was all, again all around the X Men and New Mutant. Um, Longshot and annuals, yeah, and then long, yeah, he was Longshot's main villain. But yeah. I mean, it was something that Claremont liked to like to get into. Is uh, Nan Nichenti, I think, is one that created him. I don't know. Uh, the The biggest thing to come out of, I thought it, Excalibur was they'd introduced. I think she was introduced in his main series proper was his sister Betty Braddock, who became Psylocke. Was Bessie, Psylocke. Right? Yeah. And then she turned into an Asian ninja girl. Yeah, because she swapped bodies. Because I, I think they that was more like, well, she needs to be more active because she was just kind of a she was either a telepath or a, or something, but she wasn't very actiony, you know. Right. So they decided, well, we're going to put her in the body of a ninja. So now she's, you know, she has all these ninja skills and she's got this psychic knife or whatever the thing is that she could she plunge into people's head to kind of scramble it's their brains. Just Claremont giving. Everybody he writes a power set and extra power and new power and everything ties to everything. It's just uh, yeah, but he didn't. He's not the one that gave. Uh, he was it. Who was it that came up with the secondary mutation? Was that during? That was uh, uh, that's uh, Grant Quite, Morrison and Quietly's run when he gave yeah. uh, uh, the White Queen he's, the diamond skin. Well, and, and that goes back to very, very early X-Men because there was uh, that telepath and, and he was in um, X-Men also and also Burn killed him very early on. And I'm trying to remember the guy's name, but he basically turned a diamond. But he had a lot of different superpowers. He had, the, you know, again, he was telepathic and the ability to turn a diamond. He could do something else. I forget what, but I think he could, yeah, he could teleport. But uh, well, you could tell yeah. the series peaked. So the original, the first run series started in '88 and went 
to mm-hmm. 98. So they had 125 issues, zero to 125. Then there was the, uh, a couple annuals. And then they kind of let it sit. Um, uh, the next series came out in 2004 and ran 14 issues. And then the one after that uh, was 2005. That was new Excalibur. Went for 24 issues. And then Excalibur, the next series was 2019. And that went for 26 issues. I don't think they're still printing it. Let me double check here. It's it's one of those books that they keep trying to bring back. And it never seems to last long. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't even think he's... I think Brian Braddock now is not even Captain... Britain, I think it's his sister, and he is Captain Avalon. Some other version. So. Some other so version. Teeny, of, it is still being printed. Uh, Teeny Howard and Marcus. Uh, yeah, the last issue just came out in February. So, yeah, but you're right. The point. The point. But the point I was trying to make was, you know, it had kind of its. It's high high moment, and then it, you know, progressively, like a lot of other books, you know, or a lot of other characters. We talked about Moon Knight a little bit, you know, same thing. You know, that's had multiple restarts. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. You know, my problem was always where, where does Excalibur fit as a team in the Marvel universe? You know, to what you said, Tim, are, are they strictly like a European team? Then why are they always over here? Well, and they 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 brought in like Kitty Pride and Nightcrawler to give it some yep. connection to uh, readers, and they introduced you know Captain Pretend his his sister, and then uh, there was a blonde girl that was like a, his girlfriend. She was like an alien Megan. or something. Megan. Megan. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't. Megan know. or began. <laughs> don't go there, please, please. <laughs> You know, so it was. It was. Uh, they never seemed to uh, to be a cohesive team. It was like a group of people that stuff seemed to be keep happening to. Yeah. Uh, so. But. Well, that's probably a good segue into if you are an Excalibur fan or a Captain Britain fan, write to us at uh, gotta get burned at gmail dot com, or uh, find us on Facebook at Third Degree Burn join the the discussion there if you're if you're a big fan of those teams tell us why you know and and am i right from my limited you know uh uh, time when i uh was reading x-men comics and were you an x-men fan too or were you just an excalibur fan and you know do you uh agree with my recollection there that the two groups didn't really co-mingle is excalibur the defenders of the x-men world (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'm, tr- I'm trying to remember what, what X-Men <laughs> issues were running concurrently with Excalibur, because I think this is in the time when, when Claremont was working with Mark Silvestri on the, the X-Men titles. And that's when I really, really lost interest in in that. And I, I, I mean, the writing was going in directions I didn't really care for. I didn't care for the Mr. Sinister storyline. And I didn't care for Mark Silvestri's art because it just seemed like, poses rather than action, you know? 
Um, and I mean, his art looks really, really good these days. Uh, you know, his later art looks really, really good. But I don't know that he ever draws action. He just seemed to draw poses. And I lo- again, I lost interest. And when I tried reading in Excalibur, it was so out there and different. And of course, with all the British sens- sensibilities to it, I didn't relate to it. And so uh, because I was losing my interest in the other X titles, I think I just let it fall by the wayside. And so I didn't really follow up and read it, read it. Um, which is sad because one of my favorite characters at the time was Kitty Pride, And so, you know, I mean, I, I just kind of walked away from all that, but then again, I started walking away from comics for a while too, but, uh, not for too long. Oh, well, that's when yeah. the image hit and everybody, right. the, the tension was diverted. <laughs> so what's coming up next? What are we doing next? Well, we talked about. It. Do we want to do part two of this? I would really like that myself. Yeah. yeah. So we'll just okay. like, I'll take a trip right to now. Murder World. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> so you right, heard thanks. it here, and I'm going to do my best, uh, best Andy. Next time on an all new episode of Third Degree Burn, Marvel Team Up Number Sixty Six, Arcade and Murder World. You heard it right here in Third Degree Burn. So, you guys got anything else so, you want to bring up? So get nope. your uh, platform shoes out of the closet and put on your best bow tie and <laughs> an ice cream suit. Ice cream suit. Yes. Watch Tommy a couple times while taking LSD. That'll all, that'll help too. Third degree no. burn does not. We does not advocate taking drugs. LSD. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe LDS. We could take some LDS, right? <laughs> That's what Captain Kirk was talking about. The, spot, the, the opinions of Brian Kirk. Hughes who have no reflection on this sh- this <laughs> channel or this show. Oh, come on, man. I'm drug-free. <laughs> the opinions uh, of Brian Hughes. Thanks for joining us. Did you know that most wine is not vegan? Wow. Pretty, much, pretty much most wine uses some form of gelatin or meat goat. byproduct in the production goat. of it. Yeah, get the goat yeah. out. Yeah, please. Only... Thank you. Okay. Hey. <laughs> okay, somebody want to take us out? We've already had the uh, obligatory writers, so uh, yeah, I, so I'll take us take out. Us out. Uh, Thank you. Thanks for everybody for st- hicking around this long. I uh, hope you enjoy the show. Uh, come back next episode for the conclusion and find out what happens in Murder World uh, for Third Degree Burn. I am Tim Elliott. John. T- There's John. There's Brian. Oh, There's David. <laughs> good night. <laughs> Say good night, Gracie. Bye. 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 Oh, how'd you do? How'd you do, good lady? I'm Arthur, King of the Britons. Whose castle is that? King of the who? The Britons. Who are the Britons? Well, we all are. We are all Britons. And I am your king. I didn't know we had a king. I thought we were an autonomous collective. You're fooling yourself. We're living in a dictatorship. A self-perpetuating autocracy in which the working classes... Oh, there you go, bringing class into it again. That's what it's all about. If only people would... Please, please, good people, I am in haste. Thanks for listening. You can find us and many other great shows at tutufreaks.com. That's T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S dot com. Third Degree Burn is spelled with the number three, R-D-D-E-G-R-E-E-B-Y-R-N-E 
and is part of the Tutu Freaks network of shows. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Just look for Third Degree Burn, spelled with the number three, and Burn spelled B-Y-R-N-E. Compliments, complaints, and recipes can be sent to gottagetburned at gmail.com. That's G-O-T-T-A-G-E-T-B-Y-R-N-E-D at gmail.com. Drop us a line and tell us how we're doing. Till next time, this has been Third Degree Burn. Some men aren't looking for anything logical, like money. They can't be bought, bullied, reasoned, or negotiated with. Some men just want to watch the world burn.